White Chicks in China podcast, where a British and an American girl satisfy all your curiosity and questions about what it's like to live in China today. And now your hosts, Holly and Nora. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Hi. Oh man, it's been two weeks since our last show. I know. It just seems like such a long time, and it seems like people are like desperate for another episode as well. Oh yeah, did we get some comments? Yeah, we did. So、um, this is like actually related to us not being here.、Um, we got a comment from Mark. I think we've mentioned Mark before, and he said, "Oh, what's up in Shenzhen? We need another podcast from the two white chicks." And that was actually that was only like a short time after we posted episode thirty-seven, thirty-six.、Uh, sorry, on our、uh, Facebook page. So people seem desperate to. If you to want hear more, more, let us know. I mean, if we、yeah. get people, we need questions, man. Yeah, we need <laughs> we need feedback. Yes. Sometimes feels like we're talking into a black hole. But we do get more feedback. So we got a really nice message from. I hope I'm pronouncing your name right, Trumpies. Uh, and he said, "From、uh, with the with the TWCC podcast, I feel like I live in China while I am actually living in Africa, and my Chinese knowledge,、uh, language, culture, and news, etc., is gradually improving." Holly and Nora, Cecilia Neiman, for this amazing podcast. Oh, actually, he won our、um, one day from our、uh, written Chinese contest. Oh, that's right.、Contest. Yeah, we had a giveaway, hundred and fifty dollar package. Cool. Yeah. Well, awesome. I know.、Uh, so after our last episode, episode episode thirty six. So hopefully, you guys out there listened. It was all about China Post, and we did a bit of dissing. <laughs>、um, so because it sucks. Yeah. So <laughs> some of some of you guys out there have actually decided like to send us some posts. So. Taihao, who actually asked us the question,、um, has sent us a postcard.、Uh, FYI, it still hasn't arrived, so nope, we're still waiting. This is two weeks later, so. Oh yeah, but that's that's not yeah. It's, it's just、normal. proving it's our just, point yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so he said, "Let's see, let's see what、um, Australia post and China post. What does it equal? Like he's got <laughs>、uh, AU post plus China post equals question mark." So funny.、Mm. It's funny because my parents send cards quite often to Europe, and it takes about a week and a half, maybe two、yeah. weeks, to get over there. Which to me sounds like a reasonable that you know、I、that's through、so. the normal post yeah, office,、sure. the government post, and that sounds about reasonable. But here, it's、mm. it gets lost for weeks at a time, sometimes months. But what gets <laughs> me is this is a tiny piece of card, like or maybe that's even worse. Because I order, if I get a parcel from the UK, for example, it it will take it can take three weeks. Okay, like that's still a long time. But a postcard, like it's how I mean, it's crazy that it takes so long.、Mm-hmm. It should just be in someone's bag. They should, you know, like I don't know. Lord knows they have the labor force to be able to handle yeah,、exactly. the amount of mail coming in and out of the country. <laughs> Yes. But anyway, that's、yeah. all we talked about we in episode thirty six. So, <laughs> if you're interested in hearing more about how to actually send things successfully in China,、mm. you can listen to that episode. Yeah. Well, Chris, our our good old pal Chris Edwards says, "I've had two packages go missing in the two and a bit years I've been in China. I get stuff sent by、uh, via courier now." <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Yeah. I think that's the way to go. <laughs> and finally, so.、Uh, 
we had a post of the weekend from Alexis Taylor and she said, uh, hey, ladies and listeners, my husband, Matthew, uh, is touring China and we'll be playing, uh, he's, he's playing in both Shaman and Shenzhen on the, on December the 5th, which is this coming Saturday. Saturday. Um, so if you're around, check them out, see the two posts for details and more dates. So we, I think we're going to be there, right? We're going to be there. We're going to be there. And it's, a, uh, if you're in, if you're in, not in China, if you're in Shenzhen specifically, we don't expect you to trips all the way from wherever you're at. Oh, you could. I mean. Yeah, why not? Yeah, he's playing at a really cool venue here in yeah. Shenzhen where Holly and I both often frequent. Mm. It's called the Idutang and it's in OCT Loft. So, well, yeah, we'll definitely be there. Show starts at 8.30. Oh, 8.30? Yep, okay, and he's put us on out. the guest list. Oh, when did this happen? <laughs> I tweeted at him. Oh, yeah, you told me. Yeah, and uh, yeah, well, I also contacted Alexis about us meeting Matthew. As the two white chicks, of course. Mm-hmm. So that'd be fun. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, so if, if anyone else is out there that's in Shenzhen. His music is good. Oh yeah, what, did you find him on YouTube? Was there a video? I found him, yeah. I found him on YouTube. Cool. His ba- Matthew... Barber. Barber, yeah, Barber. Mm-hmm. And he had, a lot of it is um, piano music, but I found some, I mean, he sings with, and plays the piano, oh, and nice. it's really like... I'm probably going to cry. But um, he also seems to be working with some Chinese. I'm interested to see what he'll do at Idutang because they're the restaurant, their band, it's like their main band that's there pretty much every weeknight. They're a Mongolian slash Tibetan trio. There's a floater in there who's, I'm not sure where he's from. I think Mm. somewhere, maybe Guanxi. I think he's also a minority. But they do this really interesting like, Yuping style music. I don't know. I guess so. That like really guttural. I really like it. It's amazing. (laughs) His voice sounds like a didgeridoo. Yeah, that's it. And they have these really interesting um, kind of ancient style instruments Mm. to go with it, and they perform really well. Yeah. And as you, if you've been listening to all of our shows, you'll know that we've kind of been reluctant to get into a lot of Chinese music here because a lot of it is, you know, art isn't as encouraged here Mm. as in the West. So it hasn't really taken off. That's really diplomatic. It's repetitive pop. It is. (laughs) With terrible dance moves to go with it. It's true. Although they are starting to get weird with it. And I'd rather see that (laughs) than see just like Backstreet Boy clones or TF boys. Like the the Chopstick Chopstick Brothers. Yeah, they're great. I mean, at least there's creativity there. I mean, musically speaking, it's pretty void of any kind of uh, revelations or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But it's at least the the video and what they're doing is unique. And it's very Chinese. Yeah. So I'm all for that. As mm-hmm. long as they're creating something that has some kind of originality to yeah. it, I'm all for it. Even if it is a song about a little, little apple. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I don't know why. I just have a soft spot for that song. Uh, yeah, it's pretty good. The video just it's bizarre. won me over. It's like yeah, a man in a mermaid costume, and then you have these people who are wearing these, like, onesies that look like Dr. Seuss car- yeah, cartoons, like of, Thing yeah. 1 and Thing 2. Yeah, it's a bit pop arty, isn't it, as well? Like, mm-hmm. just it's very odd. <laughs> anyway, yeah. where do we get on that topic from? <laughs> it's relevant. It's about music. Yep. So if you are in Shenzhen, come yeah. join us uh, at the show. 
on Saturday night, 8.30. That's yeah. December 5th. This is 2015, so if you're listening to the show later, yeah, too bad you missed it, but we'll probably happen. have posted some pictures of oh, it, yeah. maybe some uh, videos yeah. of what happened that night. <laughs> so do we have any other comments? Uh, no. No, we don't. Oh, shucks. But that's okay. That's okay. We have had a couple. We've had a voicemail and another question come in, but we'll oh, yeah. reserve those for yeah. The next we don't. Episodes. Yeah, we don't want to tell you too much. Yeah, we'll create some suspense so you listen. Yes. Uh, okay, so let me um, let me give you some news. Sweet. So, I've got two. I've got two pieces of news. The first one I'm telling you because I, I just can't even believe that this is happening again. So. This was a long, long time ago now. Actually, I think it was the first episode where Chris joined us. And there was this, like, spurt of ridiculous uh, test your health uh, cont- competition type things amongst oh, Chinese women. Oh, and yeah. And they were posting them on social media, like Weibo and stuff. It was like if you could wrap your arm around right. your back and touch your belly button, That's it. The then belly you button were considered... Challenge. Right. Fit. Right. And if you couldn't do it, yeah, fit. So if you couldn't do it, if you couldn't do it, then you need to lose some weight. <laughs> so we've, there's another one. Oh, no. And it's equally as ridiculous. I, I, I need to warn you, I'll put the link on the, um, on our episode 37 page, but this is not for the office. Oh. Because this is the behind the back breast grab challenge. So there's nothing, it's not too bad, but you know, <laughs> you probably if don't open it on your, like if you're at work, it's probably not appropriate because your colleagues are going to be like, what are you doing? Creep. Behind the back, yeah. breast grab. Yeah. Right. So it's kind of like the, the belly button challenge, but I guess because your arm is higher up, it's probably more difficult to kind of like twist your arm around there. And again, there's been like a lot of women are doing it, are doing this, like showing pictures while like, I'm so obviously so fit because I can do it. So wait, are you gonna explain what it is? Oh, you have to. It's the same as the the belly button challenge. You so have you to twist your, your arm around your back, I'm and then try. basically grab your boob. I'm touching it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. There you go. Not so. Nora's. I'm fit. Is fit. I can't, By Chinese I can't, standards. I can't do it. <laughs> but there's no surprise there. I yeah. just have long arms, so. <laughs> So yeah, as as before, there are like there were a lot of girls doing this, like posting pictures of themselves doing this, and but then there's these people who are like totally taking the Mickey and like they've got someone behind them grabbing both boobs and stuff <laughs> like that. It's just it. I like how I like I I find it utterly ridiculous, but I really like how eventually it turns into like a bit of a a, a joke, like people taking the Mick out of each other basically I not like taking it too serious whole movement yeah because it's just basically can you do this ridiculous yeah. thing and it's kind of it's it seems like probably about half the people can do it and yeah. half the people can't do it or something yeah. like that and then it forces people to post stuff online so it's really kind of brilliant like people are posting these selfies of them doing yeah. these crazy things which go viral so whoever mm. is concocting these stories is actually a really brilliant marketer yeah yeah, I you're think. right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, but I'll keep you informed if there's any crazy ones because I haven't heard of one for a while. This has been mm. the first, the first one in a good few months. Like, well, the ones we've heard of. Anyway. This would be a good marketing strategy for like a fitness chain, like a mm-hmm. gym or something like that. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. get a lot of views and a lot of engagement mm. on your social media. Yeah, but <laughs> then you've got to get a Chinese person to go to the gym and 
not wear jeans or high heels actually, on a treadmill. Yeah, or actually do some running instead of just sort of walk. I love how they work out. It's something very endearing mm-hmm. about how how ridiculous it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I recently saw something on a Facebook, like an expat China page on Facebook. Someone had actually posted like pictures of two there was the two two Chinese people on treadmills and they were both wearing jeans. And, like, and they have it set on like such a low setting. I mean, they're not even walking briskly. Mm-hmm. They're just slowly Casually. walking on the treadmill, and they've just got their TV. Really. Yeah, they've, they've either, they're either chatting on the phone or they have an iPad propped up on the treadmill. <laughs> and that's, that's quote, unquote, exercise. Yeah. And that's to pay gym memberships, which, by the way, are not cheap. No, no. I mean, they're cheap by Western standards. But for Chinese people, it's quite a luxury to go to the gym. So it's like you're paying all this money, yeah, to saunter on yeah. a treadmill it's <laughs> in jeans. It? It's funny. Okay, so on to the next, uh, my next piece of news. Oh. So this is, uh, this is really interesting. So a 50-year-old man has been found living in isolation at the coldest place in China Ooh. for the past 10 years. Oh, and, I like where this is going. Yeah. So... A man from the cold north of Heilongjiang province recently made headlines after he was discovered to have been living alone in a cellar of his own construction for over a decade, drinking alcohol to keep warm. <laughs> yeah. That's one way to do it. Yeah. So uh, the guy's name is Yu Fa Zhong, and he lives three kilometers away from Beiji village in Heilongjiang province, which is located at the most northern frontier of China. Mm-hmm. So... This is crazy cold. Yeah. Due to the inhospitably cold weather, uh, Beiji has been dubbed China's Arctic village. Mm. So not it's surprisingly, cold. there are lots of great pictures, by the way. So I really suggest that when you've got time to go to the episode th- uh, thirty-seven page and check out the images. Mm-hmm. So this one you can look at in the office. There's no problem here. <laughs> There's just a lot of snow and big coats. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of people online, this has gone viral. This is another viral kind of news thing. Um, so people are like struggling to work out how this guy has actually managed to live in such conditions because he's been on his own. He hasn't been with anyone for 10 years. He's living in cramped conditions, like literally like this tiny little uh, cellar and it's absolutely freezing. <laughs> so he said that there were there were reporters with him and they said i've been he said sorry i've been accustomed to the living conditions after staying here for more than 10 years um if it's too cold i will light a fire to warm myself during the daytime i like to sip uh liquor to keep warm mm-hmm. he they t- he also told reporters that he fishes in order to eat so this is mental really but so he doesn't grow any he doesn't have a garden or anything i guess no, i guess it's too pretty cold. harsh yeah so, so he's just eating fish and drinking alcohol yeah. yeah how does he not have like scurvy, scurvy. Or something? Yeah, i don't know <laughs> i don't know so this village that he lives close to it was built in the 1960s um and there are 243 permanent households with a com- combined population of 1,000 people, but at least those people are in a community. This guy's mm-hmm. just like out in the, just out in the middle of nowhere. So does he, you mean he, because it's only three kilometers from where he was living, right? So yeah, does he get, go in to get supplies? Because I mean, where is he getting his alcohol? It actually doesn't say. I guess he must. He must be going, going into the village. To, to, to do. People must have known who he was, right? If, if you're in a community that's only 1,000 people, you'd be like, you who is this so. guy? But I guess this village is also quite remote. So maybe they don't get a whole lot of contact either. 
Oh, so you mean like the government didn't know he was living out? It in seems isolation? as though that they've almost just like come across him, and then the the, the reporters have found it like so amazing. Huh. Yeah. So it says that the um, in the winter months, the average low is around minus thirty five degrees centigrade, which Oof. is minus thirty one degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. So. Um, it basically means that the village is only just warm enough to avoid conti- uh, continuous permafrost. Wow. Um, but temperatures can go as low as minus 45 degrees centigrade, which is pretty cool. These are the kind of places that I'd like to visit. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of tired of the whole scene with the touristy areas. It's usually the same stuff. I mean, of course, there are amazing things to see. But once you've seen, I mean, I've done Beijing, Shanghai. Yeah. Xi'an, Guangzhou, you know, we've done, like, I've done, like, the major sure. circuits. Yeah. So these kind of, you know, Xilongjiang in very western, northwestern part of China, which is basically Turkic population. That would be, for me, that's really interesting to see, like, Urumqi, mm-hmm. those places. And then places like this. Yeah. I'm very, this to me is very exotic because I've we've been living in China for years and years and years, but this is something that's, not easy to experience. I don't think so. So I would certainly be curious about going and seeing his hut and having a conversation with him. Because I wonder what, I mean, what drove him to do this? Does it say anything about his motives? Unfortunately not. I mean, you see this in the West. You see a lot of these um, people who have kind of cast off society and decided I'm going to go live like a hermit in Mm. the woods. I mean, this is pretty, it's actually a growing population of these people, especially now that there's internet. So there's, there's still can generate money online mm-hmm. and live, you know, in a self-made like cave in the middle of the woods or yeah. whatever. There's a lot of instances of this. And actually in France as well, I've heard there's a growing population of these kind of like, really? yeah, these, I don't know if you, hermit sounds kind of like a negative word, but these people who have decided to exclude themselves from society. Yeah. But in China, this is, you know, they're very much a communal social society so to see somebody reject that yeah is actually quite shocking like i'm really curious to know why he decided to do that i mean is he is he a bit crazy who knows but i mean the pictures they, they, there were pictures of him and he didn't he looked just like an ordinary guy mm-hmm. they didn't look like he it's just so outside of mm. the societal norm in china to do something like yeah. that Maybe it was just because it, it was his, he had his own place. Maybe maybe it wasn't like that originally. Maybe maybe something happened. Like mm-hmm. he he actually built. So it seems as though he built this cellar. Like why not just have built a house? Like it's maybe something happened and yeah, then maybe that's he when he was just like event. living in that village and then he did something and got like cast maybe. off. Of the village. Maybe I can find some more information about the. It's guy. really interesting. Mm. Definitely off the beaten track. Yeah. Literally. And figuratively. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, so let's move on to our question. So um, our question comes from Mark, um, and he introduces himself in the in his question, so... Hi, Holly and Nora. This is Mark from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania in the United States, and uh, I've been listening for a while. Woo, woo, woo. And uh, my question is... Um, as a gay man, I'm curious how how LGBTQ are treated in China. Um, I know you touched on uh, gender rules and that um, a lot of people can break gender rules. Um, 
not like hold men holding hands in the street and not be uh, not really have any problems. But you said sexual in your episode with talking about movies. You said sexuality wise, um, the Chinese society is very conservative. Um, so I just wonder how that translates into the treatment of um, gays and lesbians and how they're treated in terms of the law and uh, is gay marriage legal uh, are they discriminated against in workplace or housing uh, and then a second question is uh, so I know the uh, FB, the government now requires you to uh, declare if you have over 10,000 USD in a foreign bank account and I wonder if you guys uh, avoid having that much money overseas in Chinese banks or what you what you do Oops, got cut off a little bit there at the end. Mm. But I think we know where you're going with that. So it looks like there's two parts of the question. And we'll be addressing mostly the first part of the question. But I just wanted to make one point about the banking before we move on. And also to say, I don't know if you noticed him saying woo, woo, woo (laughs) in the question. And for those of you who maybe missed that episode previously or who don't know what that means... So, 555, when said in Chinese, sounds like wu-wu-wu, because five in Chinese is wu. Mm. So, wu-wu-wu, they use it as like a, it's kind of like a shorthand for crying. So, weeping, wu-wu-wu. So, he's making reference to that for any of you who missed Mm. (laughs) missed that. Actually, these like homophones, I guess you would call them, they're really popular in Mm. Chinese, like online like if you're chatting and stuff or if you're on social media they use them quite often actually if you're interested there's a you can go to writtenchinese.com and there's a new article on there which is all about different homophones so hmm. it's kind it's fun and a lot of I people have said one, a lot of people said oh like oh this is really interesting so it's you know even if you're not studying chinese it's kind of fun just to have a look especially okay. the numbers the number ones are, are quite fun are quite amusing actually mm-hmm and they're easy to learn because you don't have to learn the Chinese character. <laughs> just use some numbers. Awesome. Mm. Well, I just wanted to address really quickly the thing that he mentioned about um, keeping money in foreign banks. Yes, as of last year, I guess he's referring to the United States, the government um, required everybody to sign this agreement called FATCA, which is to um, allow the government to have access to your banking records abroad. So I strongly suggest that you comply. This is my my advice, and then we'll move on to the next topic because I think it's more interesting. And there are a lot of facets to banking in China that um, (laughs) there are a lot of gray areas, and I don't know how much we want to incriminate ourselves on the air. Yeah, that's it. But in, in, in a nutshell, as somebody who does have more than $10,000 in an offshore, in a non-U.S. bank account, I personally have signed the FATCA to allow the bank, the government to view my accounts. And that's because I really had no choice. The bank, um, it, my, my main bank is actually in Hong Kong. And the bank required that I signed it or that they would freeze my accounts. So it was definitely not an elective decision, 
but I did I did sign it and I don't really have anything to hide so it hasn't really affected me um, basically and this is a little tip for any of you out there who are wondered who are Americans and wondering about taxes in the US you must pay your taxes or you know you send in the paperwork every year regardless of whether or not you are in the US or not but there's a actually a great um, piece of legislation that's called the physical presence test so the physical presence test means that if you are outside of the United States for 330 days or more during the tax year that you don't have to pay taxes on income up to 108,000 US dollars so for most of us who are, you know, yeah, we're all right. Yeah, we're we're we're, we're below that <clears throat> that line. So you actually don't have to worry. So you can go ahead and fill out your taxes as normal, but you'll just claim that you are um, you are eligible for the physical presence test. It'll ask you which days you're in the U.S., which days you're out. Just a side note that if you're in the U.S. at 11:55 p.m., they still count it as one full day. <laughs> the bastards. Um, <laughs> So you you can just count if you can if you're in the U.S. for no more than 35 days a year, then if you make any if you make less than one hundred and eight thousand dollars a year, you're exempt from taxes. Mm. So that covers most of us right. Americans yeah, sure. abroad. Um, so you don't really have to worry about hiding things from the government. So so I I would just be transparent because. Yeah, you can try and cheat the system, and to be honest, there's probably a large chance that you'll get away with it because, especially in China, the government really has to have a reason to force the Chinese, to try to force the Chinese government to hand over people's bank right. records. Um, so it's very unlikely that they would do that. But if they do find out that you are trying to evade taxes, then you'll have just basically a shit storm yeah. on your hands so it's just as long as you're making less than 100k you'll be fine and if you're making more than 100k you can afford a lawyer so <laughs> no excuse <laughs> so anyway so i just want to get that out of the way i i hope that's a useful tip for any of you who are deciding to come over to china that's um, advice. yeah so so because that's something that i worried about um as well and to be honest i didn't file taxes for the first couple of years yeah. I lived in China because I was told that I didn't have to. I think a lot of people are under that impression, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. And so then I was really nervous about it when they issued this FATCA thing and I knew that the government could see all of my financial records. But um, I was advised just to start filing the same year, you know, just, just file as if you'd always filed before. And that's what I did. And I haven't heard anything Most yet, people. so right. I think it's fine. I mean, they really do need to have a reason to to dig into to check, it. Yeah. So. So just don't do anything suspicious. Yes. So if you haven't filed, just go ahead and file for the next year and sign the FATCA because you don't want to deal with a bunch of fines later if you do choose to mm. live in the U.S. If you're going to renounce your citizenship, that's a whole other story. But. Um, but, well, let's not get into that now. I think it's more interesting to talk about the first part of his question. Yeah, I agree. Which is about LGBTQ. <laughs> However long that acronym yeah. is going to go. It gets longer every time I hear it. Like, I, I wasn't aware that Q was added now. Like, yeah. Not that it shouldn't be. You just, I wasn't aware. Yep. 
They're going to add straight or heterosexual on there somewhere, too, because mm-hmm. the heterosexual people are going to start yeah. complaining. How come we're not included? I want to be in the club. <laughs> okay, so my um, when I had this, the, this question, um, a new story popped into my head that I had um, read a good few months ago now. So I, I think I've dug it I've dug it out, but this is not the new the same it's not the news article that I read, but it's about the same it's about this this same story. So I'll just tell you kind of the brief uh summary of the story. Anyway, so this was I think this was June, uh June of this year, and there was a competition hosted by uh Alibaba for uh, 10 Chinese uh, couples, gay couples, to go to the US to get married. Oh, a competition? It was a competition, yeah. How gay can you be? Like, <laughs> the gayest one gets uh, so to go? So basically, you had to make a video. I've got it. So the contest was called We Do. Oh, oh. Yeah. Um, let me see. I wrote this down about how, how they had to apply. There was, like, a video they had to make. Oh, no, wait, I've lost it. Oh, no. Oh, wait, here here it is. Here it is. To win the contest, couples had to submit a video sharing their love stories. Oh. <laughs> so this was to... They had to share their love stories to Taobao, which is owned by Alibaba. Um, and basically 2,000 couples applied. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, actually, so ten couples were chosen, but only seven couples actually went because, unfortunately, three three of the couples had visa issues. Mm. Um, so they so that the event was hosted in West Hollywood, and there was like a big event, and they they went to they had a ceremony all together, and the the mayor of uh, Holly, West Hollywood she did the ceremony. She was the justice of the peace would it mm-hmm. be i guess mm-hmm. yeah and they they got i guess it was like a big like it was like a holiday for them as well so they got money to spend and you know like they went to fancy restaurants and stuff it sounds quite nice mm-hmm. uh yeah so there was some comments made about how um things are improving in china in terms of gay rights um Actually, so Gung, Gung Le, the CEO of Chinese gay dating app, there's, I didn't know there was an app. No, it's I called Blued or Bluid. I don't know how you would say that. How is it spelled? B-L-U-E-D. Blued. Blued. I don't know what the meaning of that is. This, this app actually has 15 million members. Wow. Yeah. Chinese, this is a Chinese gay dating app. Wow. 15 million. 15 million. Mm-hmm. So he said that um, progress in terms of gay rights in China has been astronomical. Uh, so some some, uh, some information I found uh, was that uh, homosexuality was still illegal in 1997, I believe. Well, that's interesting point, um, but it wasn't illegal until the 20th century. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> Right. So, I mean, I've heard, I did do a little bit of reading, and um, it sounds like China, for the most part, didn't really have a problem. It just wasn't an issue. It's not such a taboo thing as it is in the West. 
I mean, a lot of the reason that so many people are fervently against homosexuality in the West is due to religion mm -hmm. or religious roots. And in China, you don't have that same structure of religion. That's right. And so they didn't have the same condemning, you know, fire and brimstone mm -hmm. approach to homosexuality. Yeah. And so I've heard it said, and this, of course, is disputed, but there's a lot of evidence to support it, that homosexuality was not an issue until post-1840, when more and more Western influence came into China. Mm, that's interesting. I, I read that um, one of the biggest reasons why it's an issue now is because of, although that doesn't exist now with the one-child policy, mm -hmm. that... Um, I, I actually, I think I had a quote. Oh yeah, um, you you have you have only one child, so you want your child to be as normal as everybody else. Says Xiao Gangwei, who is the uh, executive director of the Beijing Gender Health Education Institute. So basically, it was about pressure to carry on the family line. If you've only got one child and the child is gay, well, then you're not going to get any kids. I guess mm -hmm. we're talking about two different family lines that are both counting. Well, yeah, I mean, there's no one-child policy, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't affect... I mean, it's the yeah, same thing, course. because these children who were... who had been born during the one-child policy, they still don't have any siblings. So now mm. that the one-child policy is lifted, the pressure isn't any different. Yeah. Because their parents are going to be too old to have kids, <laughs> have yeah. more children. So they still have this pressure. Mm. I, um, I read that... Uh, and actually, this is not the first time I've heard this, that due to, like, family pressure, there are a lot of, like, fake marriages. Oh, yeah, where, I've heard about like, that, a, too. Where it's, a, like, a gay, gay man and a lesbian. Lesbian, yeah, and they, they get married, and I guess then, so t legally, I guess, they're married, but they just, like, live as as if they would have done before, I guess. So, yeah, they they there was, st there were, there was something about them marrying out of social and economic convenience. Mm -hmm. uh, and they found it, they would find each other like online, basically. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm not surprised. I, yeah, it's a good point. Um, the, the government, so the law, of course, doesn't, there's no rights for gay couples, mm -hmm. like there are for married couples, but that's, the, the, the law also um, is very strongly against people having children out of wedlock too. That's I mean, right. like basically the way I see it, the Chinese law is just kind of like this loose umbrella that's like trying to keep the society as um, far from these deviations of the yeah. norm as possible because you're, you have to, you can't really think of it as, you can't compare it to a European country or even in, in the States, the population is so huge. So the government tries to keep a basic norm of society where you have, you know, and this there are statistics that say that child functions better when they have a mother and a father. Mm -hmm. So they're looking out for the greater good of the society, and then they rely on, but, but they don't necessarily incriminate. I haven't heard any cases where someone was, like, locked up and thrown in jail because of being gay or something. It's not, yeah. the law is not meant to do that kind of thing. Yeah they more rely on family pressure, um, more local pressure to to keep people from, um, I guess, being too, they're at risk for, for changing 
changing the normal stru- family structure. Yeah. So like if you, so, so if in, the, in the same breath, if you have a child out of wedlock, like the government hits you with crazy fines, fines yeah. which are usually like three or four times your annual wage. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's insane. So they're, they're trying to, they're just trying to create some kind of a structure mm-hmm. to the society as a whole. Yeah. But in general, I feel like homosexuality just isn't that big of an issue. No, I, I think... Culturally. Yeah, it seems as though, like, it's obviously gay marriage is, isn't legal, but I think it is, it seems like it's, e- like, not, yeah, not too difficult to be gay. Like, no, I don't feel like anyone's has an issue because there are gay gay icons that are in, like, the, the limelight. Mm-hmm. Like, on TV, there are singers, you know. Yeah, and- let's talk about Jing Xing. Can we talk about Jing Xing? Who is that? Jing Xing is the woman. She was the first woman who went through reassignment, sexual reassignment surgery in China. She was the first woman to be mm-hmm. approved for that. She was, um, I did a little bit of research. Oh, yeah, go for it. She's, okay, so I, if you've been following our written Chinese blog, you might have seen my article about how much I love iSupermodel. Oh, okay, <laughs> I didn't know what her name was, and I searched for her online, and I was like, I don't know what her name is. I'll just search iSupermodel, and it didn't give me anything, so that's I love, that's yeah, name. yeah, so I love okay. iSupermodel. For any of you who are learning Chinese, it's such a great way to practice practice your listening because the models are in the UK now. So you get a bit of English, a bit of Chinese. So it's not as overwhelming as um, some of the other, you know, mm-hmm. watching a Chinese drama, which is very historical yeah. and there's a lot of context to it. And that's kind of what I talk about in the blog. But anyway, the reason that I'm bringing this up is that in the first season, one of the celebrity judges was this woman born uh, born as a man yeah. physically called um, Jing Xing. And she was a ballerina um and she you know she's become a choreographer she was sent to new york in 1984 or 7 something like that so wow. when it was really difficult for chinese people yeah. to travel abroad she studied dance in new york for 4 years and then she taught dance in rome so she was like a big she's a big deal wow, i had no idea like i knew that she'd been a ba- ballerina but i didn't know about the the other mhm wow that's mm-hmm. cool and so she has quite the celebrity status and she's outwardly you know she looks very much like a woman i mean she's She's good looking she's pretty good looking yeah i I think i really like i really uh, (laughs) as a as um watching her on tv i've had i've grown a fondness for her (laughs) now she lives in shanghai with her german husband so it's you know she's out in the public She's living in mainland China. She's yeah. not like a lot of the gay, transgender, whatever, okay, LGBTQ, yeah. all of those um, people who are in the limelight, a lot of them come from Hong Kong because Hong Kong has, you know, it's more open. It's yeah. more, it's basically for all intents and purposes, culturally like a Western, like a European city. Yeah. So a lot of the celebrities that you see that are outwardly gay, they're coming from Hong Kong. But she's, mm-hmm. she is in Shanghai. She's smacking, yeah. you know, she's under the control of the, if the government wants to do something drastic to, you know, she, but she seems to be gr- gaining popularity. Yeah. I see her everywhere now. So she was, because she's had the gender reassignment, she was able to marry the marry a, guy, a man. I'm not sure. If it's legal. I get, I'm, I'm not sure actually the legal status of sure. her marriage. Uh, uh, yeah. 
Um, I'm, it's possible. Interesting. I mean, she was, she was uh, approved by the government to get the wow. gender reassignment surgery. I wonder how that worked. And that was way, she got paralyzed. She was paralyzed for a while in her, I think it was her right or left leg after the surgery. Wow, right. People don't talk about how traumatic it is wow. actually go through this kind of, mm. sur- you know, it looks kind of romantic and in a sense like, yes, let's all be free. But this is a pretty grueling. Oh, yeah, I imagine. And in a lot of ways, grotesque procedure that people go through. But yeah, she did it. And she was the first woman in China ever to do this. And now she's everywhere. Yeah. So, so yeah, there's definitely not, um, Mark mentioned that we said something about the society being relatively conservative for sexual, sexuality. And that's true. You don't see as much sex on TV yeah. or in public. Like people don't really kiss each other. You'll see it occasionally. It's not like it's illegal, but you you'll rarely see I've actually seen more lesbians kissing oh, really? in China than in the States, for sure. Oh. Many more. And holding hands and kind of being all googly eyed at mm. each other. So it's definitely not a huge yeah. problem. I th- I think it's like if it can be controlled like on TV do you remember that the, the 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 what's the TV show the Empress the Empress of China mm. and they edited all the cleavage call the cleavage out <laughs> yeah. so all the shots are just headshots now there are no like basically from the neck down there's nothing there are no shots well, because from- they don't want to show any bo- and it's come on it's like a tiny bit of cleavage like it's ugh, yeah. Know. And I mean, and from what I see too, like most Chinese people just feel really awkward expressing emotion in yeah, general. Yeah, that's true. Like that's just not part of the Chinese culture to yeah. be outwardly emotional. To so to have physical displays of affection mm. in public, it just it's not it doesn't fit in with the society. It's not like somebody's telling you not to, yeah. but it's just not part of their society. When you see people kissing on TV. It's so awkward. Like, it's so <laughs> awkward. Because you can tell that those actors are very uncomfortable with mm, what with they're them, yeah. doing. I don't think I've ever... I, I, although not that I watch a whole lot of Chinese TV, but just on the in passing, I don't remember ever seeing that, like... If they can get anywhere, away with not doing it, then they they'll just... Yeah. yeah, they won't do it. But <laughs> when you see it, it's so awkward. I'm telling you, it's crazy. Mm. <laughs> but, which is funny, really, because there are so many, like, romantic-type dramas... That yeah, the romance is everywhere, yeah. and yet yeah, it's just um, mm. the that physical act. Yeah, it is it just makes not public. yeah, it's not. It makes me wonder. I think we've kind of briefly talked about this about certain how um, like Western TV shows are becoming more popular here, like Downton Abbey and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And not that down, although Downton Abbey does talk about sex a little bit. I wonder how that is like. If how Chinese people kind of feel about that. Like, Maybe that's why it's so popular, is that it is so... So... Proper? Yeah, in a way. <laughs> like, you don't see a whole lot of... Yeah. Um, yeah, on you don't screen. See, you don't see, yeah. But it's imp- often implied. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. True. That's interesting. Yeah, I never thought about that. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I read a poll that said um, 21% of people 
support. I, I saw that. Yeah, support yeah. gay rights. Mm -hmm. I'm interested in how they took that poll because um, <laughs> I find it hard to get an honest response yeah. like from any Chinese. Like if you ask them a point blank question, they think more about like, okay, what are the implications? Mm. What happens if I support this? What happens if I... So they tend to just go with the majority for a lot of reasons. Like part of that is just like their social structure yeah. of being a, a communal driven society. But I think more people, you know, let, I just imagine if you walk into a room of strangers and you see two gay men who are, you know, obviously all dolled up and pretty and together <laughs> and they walk into a room in the West versus if they walk into a room in China. Yeah. And honestly, I think you'll get more acceptance and less disgust and, you know, shock yeah. in China. I yeah. really don't I, think that people are that bothered. I don't think so either. And and I think that I guess this is this maybe goes back to that the episode where we did talk a little bit about sexuality a little bit. Actually, I find Chinese, especially Chinese men, oh, actually women too. Um Chinese men do dress like more, let's say, flamboyantly than oh, sure. uh, Western men. Florals like some are of the, all yeah, the range here. They wear these really skinny floral trousers, like like these like brocade kind of pattern mm -hmm. jackets, and even trousers. Like it's not. And I've seen men wearing makeup that are they're, oh, they're really? actually they're straight, but I've seen you know they do a lot of experimenting. We've we've talked a little mm -hmm. bit about the gender roles. Yeah, but it's just. You don't have that kind of, I guess, I think that's really Protestant, to be honest, that like, oh my Lord, you know, yeah, probably. <laughs> how indecent, you yeah. know, that kind of attitude doesn't really, it's not really here mm -mm. in China, that's right. at least not on the same scale, Yeah. which yeah. is really fascinating because you have all throughout history, you have these accounts of Chinese emperors who were blatantly, even if they had heterosexual relationships, they also had men, boy toys floating around the palace. Oh, yeah. And that was just, it was part of the norm. It wasn't something that was condemned. Mm -hmm. Like I said, it wasn't really until, they say, a lot of people say that it wasn't really until Western influence came in that made them feel, you know, more ashamed about these yeah. things. And then they, they made homosexuality illegal until 1997. And um, it was a mental illness into, categorized as mm -hmm. a mental illness until 2001. Oh, 2001. Mm -hmm. I didn't get a date, but I saw that it was a mental illness. But it was the same in the UK as well. But I think that's all just influence from the West. Because it was totally normal part of their society up until the 19th century, mm. basically. I, I think it, I also kind of feel like it's a very Western mentality to define gender roles. Mm. Like, we need to be... Like, there are lots of, I guess... It seems to have happened like within the last few year, uh, years, but there are lots of girls who dress like boys mm -hmm. and they have very short haircuts. And it's, it, why is it a big deal? So I'm not sure if it's a girl or a boy, <laughs> really. Like, who, why does it matter? Should, why should it matter so much? Well, it's interesting in the Chinese language too, when it's when you're speaking it, it he make, and yeah, her, yeah. they're the same, like right. they're just ta. There's no, actually, so you don't have to know and you can still like <laughs> yeah. say he, you know, yeah. he, her, it, it it's all ta. Yeah. 
when you write it, you have to you have to put the radical that belongs to either the male or the female mm -hmm. gender. But when you're speaking and stuff, you don't even have that. In fact, a lot of Chinese people mix him and her. Oh, even yeah, when they have good frequent. English, yeah. they still like they often mix she and he, That's him right. and her. So they, I, I feel like part of it maybe is due to the language. They don't have a strong distinction mm -hmm. in those words. Yeah. Uh, Mark mentioned about the discrimination in the workplace and in housing, like if there's discrimination for gay couples, I guess, or single people, gay people. Yeah. Um, housing, no, I don't think so. If you have the money, I don't, I don't see why anyone would Probably discriminate not. against you. But the workplace, yes. Um, and that's because Chinese employers discriminate against anyone that's outside of the norm. So yeah. if you're not married, you're also discriminating. If you're not normal like mm. in the you know the typical um home life and family structure then people are a little bit afraid of that yeah. i think um i'm not sure why that is but they there there is this kind of apprehension to things that deviate from the norm yeah i also found that that um that you might not get a promotion if you're single Mm -hmm. Which is so like I find that such a contrast to what how it is in the West because I, I would say that if you were like if you're a young woman, and you're you're married, you're actually less likely to get a job or get promoted because they think that you'll get pregnant and right. then need maternity leave and they've got to pay for you. So right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Another thing I thought about too is that like in in English a lot of our terminology for homosexuals are in, like used as insults. Mm -hmm. People say, oh, that's so gay, you know, yeah. and they don't have, it's not related to sexuality or, oh, he's a F-A-G, yeah. <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, we throw these insults around. You don't have that in Chinese. I've never heard anybody like making fun. I mean, maybe you do, but I've never, personally, I've never no. heard anybody like calling someone gay in a negative term i just feel like they're more i don't know they're just more like pragmatic or something yeah. about it they don't use it as a and it's not it's not a it's not an area of like embarrassment or shame or anything you don't see people like oh he's gay and then like giggling or something yeah. like that they're very straight faced when it comes to to these kind of issues they don't seem to be ashamed about any of that like you might see in the West. Yeah, which is funny because there would, there would be giggles about like, which sillier thing, like not sillier things, but like things that we would be, like we would think would be okay, like normal, they would, they would have a bit of a giggle about them. I think. <laughs> yeah, <You> know. <laughs> for sure. Um, I was gonna say something and then I lost my train of thought. What was it about? Have you, I, I'll think about it while, do you have anything else? <laughs> Do you want to talk about some um, vocabulary? Yeah, sure. Oh, that was it. I was going to mention about slang on your on your train of thought. When I, I've written a couple of articles about slang, and none of them have been anything like derogatory. That was that was the point I was going to make. Mm -hmm. They'll they'll be derog like you know there were things about like if you know like sugar daddy and things like that. They're not really. I guess that's not really. It won't be as insulting. I don't know. Sugar but nothing. Daddy. But nothing no, about. It's... It's not insulting your sexual orientation. No, no, but just in general, whether sugar daddy, if 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 someone said to me, oh, like, you've got sugar daddy, would you be insulted? 
<laughs> I don't anyway moving on, moving on. so I Sorry. found some interesting vocabulary words you guys can learn a little bit of Chinese um so lesbian is lala lala yeah yeah and isn't the isn't gay like like is like another repetitive like is that not i'm sure someone told me this recently maybe there i'm guessing there are multiple words for that i don't know the the standard word for gay is tongxing which just literally it just means um same gender yeah tongxing so yeah, I don't know. Maybe there are some other words. And then I found one was um, so gay bars are not advertised as gay bars. So this is this is kind of the point. It's like don't ask, don't tell. <laughs> you know, like the government really is like trying to go after people who are homosexual and like mm -hmm. trying to ban people or like fine businesses yeah. or things like that. It's more like everything's fine until a problem develops out of it. And since, for the most part, it's kind of hush-hush, you know, it's just not spoken about mm -hmm. that publicly, like, all sexual, I mean, we're, that's the same thing for, like, let's say S&M. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's not publicly advertised, but you know it exists. Yeah. But nobody's really going after these people and trying to, like, shut down their businesses. Yeah. So gay bars aren't advertised as gay bars, but the the way to say a gay bar is G, the letter G, ba. G, ba. Oh. That's gay bar. So G is in gay. Yeah, because ba is bar. Wow, well, they it's really went out there and G ba. They were just crazy. <laughs> I've never been to a gay bar in China, but you have, right? Um, have you? Oh, I, I haven't been to a gay bar. I know oh. one of my friends, my Icelandic friend, Christine, went to like a gay strip club and she said it was the most awkward experience <laughs> ever. Because <laughs> well, I think the people that they hired, like the men that they hired for the the strip like the show probably weren't gay and she said it was just really awkward they were probably just like some poor villagers who had nice bodies and got recruited <laughs> mm. so it wasn't the same but i've seen some very 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 flamboyant we've talked a little bit about this in other episodes too dancing oh, you know yeah. men in these like fur hot pants yeah. and like boas and they're dancing pole dancing yeah. with makeup and all this stuff it's in straight bars yeah yeah there's a there was a guy i used to see when I first came to Shenzhen, in uh, he would be every time I was there, which was, I, I wasn't there very often, but I would always see him in one of the bars in Coca Park, and he was always in like leather, like oh. or, or not maybe not leather, but like yeah, like leather pants and like a fishnet kind of top, and his hair like he probably had makeup on, but it was dark, so you couldn't really see. But he and he was there like all the time, mm -hmm. dancing away. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah I mean I think it's more free because you don't have the social I feel like most people are just fine with it so you don't have that social pressure I've never heard of a hate crime mm -hmm. against a gay person no, here yeah. I mean maybe it's happened it's more likely like as a as a westerner like Mark maybe you're planning on coming to China so you're curious about it as a westerner you wouldn't even have those pressures it's more it would yeah. more be coming from the family maybe they'd be they'd feel ashamed or something like that because it's outside of the norm. But if you're a Western person coming in, I don't really see you having, I mean, no, it's hard there, to know. I don't think any, there would be an issue. But yeah, I think it's you'd be more accepted than you would be yeah. in the States. If, if anything, you'll just upset a lot of Chinese girls when you, yeah, know, when you turn sad. them down. <laughs> you won't want to date them. <laughs> I thought it was interesting that um, gay people in China 
have the similar terminology to the states like bear so like the term bear you know what a bear is so a bear is a gay man who's like really um let's say lumberjack style like he's got a bit of hair to him he's kind of meaty you know like very manly okay maybe with a beard okay maybe flannel is involved so i'm saying it i've got a good picture yeah so bear so in chinese it's the same it's bear so it's (laughs) shong So that's a word for bear in Chinese, shong. So it's a bear. And then a person who likes a bear in Chinese is called fei fei. And that's literally means baboon. (laughs) I don't know. I'm not sure where that comes from, but. Interesting. A gay man who likes bears is called a fei fei, a baboon. So I thought that was kind of fun. (laughs) Yeah, I like it. That's cool. So I hope you learned a little bit of those crazy slang slang mm. terms yeah, and yes, tongxing so. is how you would say gay in china that's just the it's like homosexual yeah there was some actually i i should have got i should have taken them um actually someone asked me this question on our facebook page and i chamson helped me get the correct translation so maybe i could add those to the bottom because there was also the the translation for like transgender was really interesting too mm. but i can't remember yeah, so go to writtenchinese.com slash episode 37 37, we're on now, yeah. to check out that. And please, if yeah. you have it, if you have any experiences or if you you are gay and you live in China, mm-hmm. if you have anything to add or correct us if we're yeah. if we're not speaking, you know, if we're, there's something that isn't true about what we're saying, we'd love to hear about your experiences. This is a really interesting topic, one that's not spoken about a lot in China. Um, so put your stories, comments in the show notes at writtenchinese.com slash episode 37, or you can find us on Facebook, two white chicks, T-W-O spelled out. Yeah. And don't forget, if you've got a question, you can go to uh, writtenchinese.com slash voicemail. So that's how Mark left us his message. Um, and it's really easy. You just press a button and you just speak <laughs> just ask us a question or, or if you just if you don't feel comfortable leaving us a voicemail you can just leave us a written question mm-hmm. on both of those pages that Nora mentioned agreed and as always um holly and i have been working really hard if you're learning chinese we've been working really hard on the chinese learning blog as well as the wcc dictionary app mm-hmm. which is free and it has a lot of great free tools in there, like flashcards. It's got all the HSK flashcards in there if you want to study for HSK for free. It's got an OCR where you can like point your phone to Chinese characters and get the translation, That's which really is cool. really cool. Mm-hmm. It's got storybooks in there that you can practice with. Yeah. It's it's really a great resource. And that's like what Holly and I basically do on a daily basis as we work on that project. So if you are learning Chinese, I encourage you to check it out. Search Google Play or iTunes for WCC Dictionary, and um, we'd love feedback on that too. Yeah, if you if you have tried it out, yeah, please. Okay, so uh, hope hopefully you guys will join us again in well a few weeks maybe <laughs> for our episode thirty eight. Um, I think we might be talking about art. I think. Oh yeah. So tune in. This will be good. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye. Oh, 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 oh,